Join us each week as Andrew, Ray, and others bring us in on one of their weekly phone conversations with an amazing agent. This is Little Oak Weekly. Welcome, everybody, to another edition of Little Oak Weekly. This week, we're going to be catching up again with Andrew Bracewell, chatting about his summer, plans for the rest of the summer, and uh, just an overall look at the last month at Little Oak. Let's give him a shout. Good morning. How's it going? Good. How are you? I'm good. Like one of the first times I was thinking to myself where you can say good morning or have a chat at the beginning of one of these episodes where it's actually going to be the (laughs) next day or normally I'm editing something and you're like, hey, it's the middle of October. Yeah, totally. Trying to to create the (laughs) the backdrop. No, it is actually morning and I I have an amazing view I'm looking at right now. I'm looking over um, the Burrard Inlet from uh, a hotel room. I stayed down here last night with a friend. Nice. And so it's a pretty good spot to be having a having a conversation from. I'm looking at Stanley Park as we speak. So it is it is truly a good morning. That's awesome. How's your how's your summer been overall? I would say yeah, I would say like, I don't know, use your the whatever word, fantastic, amazing. It's yeah, so we spent it's been awesome. We spent two weeks in Shushwap to start, like so right away from the July long weekend. And as it turns out in retrospect, I think that was probably the only two weeks of summer that hasn't had smoke up there. Oh, right. Yeah. We, we really lucked out, had two fantastic weeks on a, on the lake and had some time with friends up there, then came back and, uh, went away again to Tofino maybe two weeks later, or a little less than two weeks later, spent some time in Tofino and that was awesome. I hadn't been to Tofino in a long time. I love it there. It's a, it's just a totally... It's got its own little vibe. It's very unique. There's there's nowhere else like it. Was it busy? Uh yeah. I mean, I don't know what to gauge it against. Sure. I would say it was busy. Like the resort the resort that we were at was was jacked full. You know what they did I did hear and see them dealing with though is that a number of those resorts uh have a large amount of American bookings and the Americans held on to their reservations to the very last minute, I guess, because they were allowed to, right? Mm-hmm. And so there was a lot of last minute cancellations that I think a number of those resorts have been dealing with throughout the summer. Now, a lot of locals have been picking those up. And that's, in fact, how we got our booking. Like we, you know, we had nothing <laughs> just before summer. We were like, we don't, we don't have anywhere to go. And, you know, we we're, well, we had Shushwap booked, but trying to find something else. And so I just started randomly calling resorts in Tofino. And I would just call every day. And what I was realizing was that every day there was new cancellations coming in because of, you know, how many American bookings were canceling. Mm. So I say all that to say that I think some of the resorts there weren't jacked full because they got these last minute cancellations and locals, you know, maybe didn't pick, pick them all up. But the, the, like dining, dining was still very challenging. I don't think any places are taking reservations and they've still got, um, you know, even though they're full capacity, I got the impression that they got a lot of tables spread out more than they normally would. Sure. Yeah, at all the restaurants. You know, getting getting in to eat at a normal hour, you know, wasn't always a guarantee. So, but we did a lot of we we came prepared with food. We had kind of like a a townhouse set up and we did a lot of our own cooking uh in our own unit. Have you been to Pacific have you have you been there before or no? Yeah, but it's years ago. We we so we stayed at this place called Pacific Sands. It's in Cox Bay. I Googled it after your episode with uh, Pratik. Okay. So you saw it like, it is a, it's a really good 
like I would say for families, there's, I don't know, I don't think there's a better spot for families. Yeah. Just the whole setup of the resort. They have a variety of different room types. It's Cox Bay is an awesome stretch of beach. They've got like, so if you want to, if you're into surfing, not that we're like, I've only surfed a handful of times in my life, but it's perfect setup because the bay is a great bay to learn. And then they've got this, uh, it's called Surf Sisters, which is a business that has a location in Tofino, but then they've got a second location at this resort. Oh, cool. You literally walk out of your unit and then anything you want, surfboards, boogie boards, wetsuits, booties, gloves, you know, whatever you want to wear, it's all there. I mean, you're renting it, of course. It was it was awesome. So we did you guys we do it? Surf. Oh, hundred oh, nice. percent. Yeah, we awesome. We surfed. Uh, I, I mean, I suck. <laughs> I'm not like when I say surfing, I'm in the water. The waves are crashing over up? me. Uh, I got up. Yeah. So I've surfed a few times. Like I've gotten up. I've gotten up surfing in Hawaii. Mm-hmm. I also have. I had to get. I had to get rescued. Rescued in Hawaii once. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. I. Uh, I. I mean, I like to say it was a near-death experience. I honestly, it's been a long time, but in the moment, now we're, ra- now we're rabbit trailing, but I, it was the first time I'd ever surfed. We were in Maui and like an idiot, you know, I get aboard, I go out, I don't know what I'm doing. I just think I'm going to be able to do it. And I pay no attention to the, the, the rip warnings that day. Yep. Again, like an idiot, I see where all the new be- the beginners are, and I'm like, well, you know, why do I need to go there? I want to go get in the real waves. So then I head out into where I could tell, you know, the real waves are, and I just start getting thrashed, and mm-hmm. I'm fine. Like I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, it's not like I'm, I'm, I'm fine in that moment. But then I'm getting bounced around. I don't really know what I'm doing. And then at some point in time, and I don't know when or where, because this is part of the problem. You don't know how it all happens. Uh, I get caught in a rip, and I get sucked out, like. I don't know, way, way out, way out and down beach. And again, my inexperience is that I start to fight it. Like I, I think, oh, you know, I need to swim back, swim back. So I'm in, you know, big rollers now and I'm trying to fight a riptide where, you know, anybody with brains knows you just get on your board, ride it out, Mm -hmm. let it take, let it take you down beach and then come in, come in when you're out of the rip. Right. I fought it. And then now I'm beyond shouting distance to anybody else out there. Like nobody knows I'm there. I'm all alone and I'm exhausted. And now it's getting to the point where I'm getting knocked around and my shoulders are getting weak and whatever. So it wasn't to the point where I was like bobbing under, but somebody noticed me there and uh, it wasn't a lifeguard. But as it turns out, this guy was like, I think he was actually like a competition surfer or something like that, or he you know, he, he, whatever, he was extremely comfortable in the water. I wasn't calling for help, but I was starting to get panicky. Sure. And this guy comes out to me and I don't even know how he saw me because I was way out past any group of people. Like I was not around anybody and he came out to me and I remember he had a, um, it was either an Australian or New Zealand accent. And you know, he does the, looks like you need some help mate kind of thing. <laughs> and like, literally that's what he said. And, and when he gets, and I'm like, yeah, I, I do. And then he basically coached me on how to get in because like, that's how dumb it is. Right? Like, it's not like I didn't have the power to get in, but I didn't understand not to fight the rip. Sure. And so he just, he's like, okay, you're going to follow me. There was like, there was some times when I actually held on to, he took both our boards. Yep. And I just swam in because part of the challenge is like, you got like a nine or 10 foot board. And if you don't know what you're doing with it, you're getting tossed around. That thing is like a kite. 
in the water, mm-hmm. right? And you're just getting dragged. So he took both our boards and then I swam without a board because I could swim without the board. Swimming with the board was part of the problem. Uh, it was exhausting and your shoulders get burned out. And, and my technique, like I just didn't know what I was doing. It was so stupid. I should have never been out there. So then, but then he gets, so where we came in and got to shore is way down the beach. Like I'm talking like, I'm probably, I want to say I'm a kilometer and a half maybe from where I ended up going out. Like it's a, it's a ways down. And unfortunately where we came in, we came in on coral, like on, on a reef. But at this point now I'm actually completely exhausted. Yeah. And so I'm, you know, hands and knees dragging myself in, getting smashed by big waves, uh, getting thrown up against the coral, cut, cutting the absolute crap Ouch. out of myself. I've got pictures of it actually. Like I finally get out of the water, cl- you know, do the whole whatever Baywatch collapse on the sand thing. Mm-hmm. And I'm just bleeding all over my feet and legs, some of my hands, because when I finally got in, you know, I was so tired. What I would do is I would get to a place where I could touch, wait for a wave because the waves were big. They were crashing hard where we were coming in and I'd have to brace myself because if I didn't brace myself and grab onto the coral, I'd actually get pulled back out or knocked around and lose some of the ground that I made up. So I was knowing I'm gripping and hanging onto this stuff and it's cutting me at that moment. I just, I didn't care. Yeah. I had some pretty I had some pretty bad cuts. Needless to say, I didn't didn't spend any more time in the sand or surfing the rest of that trip (laughs) because I had to get my feet bandaged up pretty good. Dang. But Tofino was better? (laughs) Yeah, Tofino, I didn't (laughs) almost die. (laughs) So so that was my first first surf experience. And I realized I developed a very quick respect for the ocean. I understood that surfing was um, not like skateboarding. And so never did it again for a long, long time, but it's a good lesson for your kids too. I learned, I learned a lot. And so now, you know, yeah, we, we go out and we did it. And, and I got to say too, like, you know, there was no rip in Tofino and, and, you know, this is obviously something to pay attention to. And anybody who's done this knows, you know, they're probably listening to me thinking how dumb I am, but there was, there was rip that day in, in Maui that I was totally unaware of. Mm -hmm. And so we, yeah, I went out with kids and you know, we had wetsuits because the water temperature is obviously such where you need it. And uh, it's quite comfortable. It's amazing what those wetsuits do. You feel like you're in a bathtub when you're wearing them. And But my surfing experience with the kids basically consists of me standing in the water, trying to help them get the right timing. And it's amazing how kids can uh, can pick stuff up. Like they can get up on the board way more consistently than I can get up on the board. Sure. Um, probably too, just because of their body weight. Because, you know, they were, I was, I had them out I think I had a nine foot board. Yeah. And two of my kids were popping up on a nine foot board. Like they were to them, like, it's like standing on a, it's like, um, what's it called? Stand up paddle boarding. It's almost like that, right? Like mm-hmm. they, you can just stand there and it's so stable. And so I'd help them get the timing and, uh, they got up a bunch. So it was a lot of fun. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. You've never served? Yeah, I have. Yep. We did it in Hawaii. Oh, so do you know what, do you know what you're doing or no? No, not at all. No. And I would, I would. I would have been way too scared to try and go too much further out. Well, I think that honestly, my, that experience, like, uh, I think that I've, I you were not taking a course then or, or lessons. You just were like winging it. No, right? I winged it. And, and so I think that that is like a classic example of like my overconfidence slash stupidity. Sure. Like I, mm-hmm. I literally, I think I just thought I was going to go out there and be able to surf. 
Like, right. uh, you know, I, there was not a thought in my brain that, sure, why can't I stand up on a board? You know, it makes sense. <laughs> it looks easy. And, um, and it's hard. I, you know what I did? I, so I've never, have you taken a lesson before? Yeah. I was only doing it through lessons. And did, and they coached you on like, you know, how to, you know, how to get up on the board and like the whole, like that, that, I don't know what you call it, but they, I've watched a guy coach someone else on, you know, the position of, um, being up, like dragging that back foot, yep. having that knee down. And then you're, you know, the, when you're popping up, it's a very small, quick movement when you're popping up, right? Is that, yeah, is that they spend quite a bit it? of time just focusing on like how you get on, but also your surroundings as well. Yeah. 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 Being but aware. No, so not good so you're not going to take another board in the head from somebody else. Mm -mm. No, I like, I like the beach, I like it from the, <laughs> from the <laughs> land, <laughs> either that or a boat. Yeah. Yeah. Have you tried, um, wake surfing? No, we've done, no, literally we've done like the paddle boards and the simple stuff, but no. Yeah. The idea of something big in the air controlling me entirely as I just whip through the water doesn't appeal to me. No, no, no. Wake, not, not kiteboarding, wake surfing, like, you know, the surfing behind a boat where you're going like. Oh yeah. Yep. Yeah, I've done that. Yeah. You've done that. I mean, that's, that's, um, I don't know. You're not in the ocean and you don't have to worry about riptide. That's maybe a much yeah, safer. You can literally just let go when you're done and yeah. you'll just stop. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm all for that. Totally. All right. So let's just uh, jump into a few questions. So the first one I actually had was regarding Remax Little Oak and training. Uh, obviously we had a lot of in-office training before COVID. We shifted to all online through COVID and there's, you know, trying to figure out what we're going to do as we come out. But I've had agents asking, what is the plan or direction of in-office training? This is obviously training specific to Remax Little Oak agents and, and where you see that going as we slowly transition out of, you know, what the last year and a half has been. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I would say it's probably going to be a combination of both moving forward. I, I, I would say that we've definitely been in a space where, you know, it's been hard to make plans for anything because at various times over the last 12 months, you know, we've been you know, in a, in, a, in a spot at sometimes where we're thinking we might get shut back down again, or, you know, some type of, you know, restrictions could come back. And so it's just, it's hard to, to make concrete plans about anything moving forward, spe specifically anything in person too, right? And not to mention different people have different comfort levels, you know, sure. with, with in-person stuff. So, but I would say absolutely, you know, when we are in a spot where we think, okay, we can, you know, move back into that and, and, um, and have some sense of security that, you know, things aren't going to change again drastically. Uh, I think we'll definitely go back to some in-person stuff, uh, use the word stuff. So some in-person, uh, sessions or times, I mm -hmm. don't think it will be nearly to the volume that, it, that we have done it in the past, like content. I'd like to say that content will be better than we've ever done, but we'll probably do in-person less, rely, we'll use both. We'll be in-person, we'll be, you know, digital, Zoom, you know, podcast, I lean on that. And then, of course, everything we do moving forward, I think the lesson we've learned through this is to just always be recording everything we're doing because then you've got access to it and people can listen slash watch, uh, you know, whatever they want on their own time. So, I mean, that's really, you know, this podcast we're doing was, you know, we it was a, somewhat a byproduct of, of COVID and just needing to be able to get content out to people knowing that we couldn't do anything face to face. And I think what people appreciate about this is that 
they don't have to schedule in you know Tuesday 10 a.m. They can you know absorb it whenever they want. So, but definitely there's, I mean, we miss I I miss seeing people's faces and I I've heard people say that and I think there is something that you get from being together in a room that you can't recreate digitally, and so I would say we're absolutely going to do that. We just haven't quite been at a spot where um, we've been prepared to um, to launch something like that and commit to it because we've just been gun shy thinking that you know things might get reversed on us again so sure yeah i don't know is that is that a fair i think that's that's probably a, com- a complete honest answer and and you know i don't even know like coming into fall right now i i would say that we're cautiously optimistic you know you see case counts rising with this new variant in other parts of the world and part of me thinks that you know we're not in the clear and and we could be dealing with some level of restrictions again so I don't know. I don't want to be pessimistic and I'm tired of it, quite frankly. Yep. But, but, um, you know, it's just, we got to be respectful of a number of different factors. One of which is I know that there's, um, you know, varying levels of comfort with in-person stuff right now, right? Like one person yep. might be fine to get into a room with 25 people and some people might not. Uh, we're just trying to balance all of that. Yeah. And I think a big thing too is prior to COVID, in fact, almost like a month or two before we went into lockdown, we already had plans to start doing all of our training through digital offerings. People could watch them online, people could consume them later. So we kind of have everything lined up to eventually get to that point. It's just whenever we actually are able to. Yeah. And I, and I have, I gotta say, like, I have no desire to, to do something in an environment where now in order to do something, there's an expectation that you know, we're policing or mandating something, right? Like, sure. I don't want to be in a scenario where it's like, okay, we're going to do this, but everybody's, everybody's got to wear masks or, or, Mm -hmm. you know, someone's nervous because, you know, everyone's got different opinions on vaccination rates and things like that. So I I don't want to do that. Like, I I don't want to, I think like, I just, you know, I, I want to be, I want to, I'm hoping that we can get to a spot where we don't have to be having those conversations. And where the focus can be the intent of, of getting together. And I feel like right now, maybe we're not quite there where everybody would just feel comfortable going back to some uh, in-person stuff without having to think about those other factors. Right. And I don't, I don't want people looking at me going, well, what are we mandating or policing? Well, I, I don't want to be a part of that. I don't, I don't want to do that. So uh, sort of on the context of training, we've had this over the last, definitely the last two or three weeks now with, and I know it's not your favorite topic to talk about, but I still want to bring it up anyway, which is some of the FinTrack training or FinTrack <laughs> changes that have FinTrack come in. Change. Like, like I'm the guy that designed the changes. <laughs> now yeah, I, right. Now I have this to talk is about Andrew's it. fault. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, I think we, 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 uh, Natalie's done a number of training. We've talked about it at the office meeting. There's a lot of changes coming into FinTrack. A lot of responsibility from the brokerage and the agent side has changed and what has to happen. I know sort of already where your stance is, but I think it's kind of, I think it's kind of good for people to understand a little bit as well, what position the brokerage has kind of been thrown into with these changes. Mm-hmm. So like, I will, I should say like, I don't, I do not have a knowledge of it to the extent that Natalie has a knowledge of it now. Like Natalie has invested a lot of time trying to figure out, figure it all out exactly. So, you know, in terms of the, the, the full detail of everything that's required, I don't have all the intimate knowledge. I do know, like, you know, I, I know it enough to know the the extent to which we're going to have to be, you know, 
uh, the way in which we're going to be dealing with limited companies and shareholders and bank account information that will be required. Like it is, um, you know, and then the types of questions that are involved in determining if you're, you know, involved in a, you know, what do they call it? A high risk transaction or, you know, they, they, mm-hmm. they rate it in some way. Like, yeah, my, my opinion of that is it's complete insanity. Like I, I don't know how a person in, 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 in good faith can say like, this is a reasonable request of somebody who is like, you know, we're supposed to have, we're expected to have some type of knowledge. I, I'm not sure how we're supposed to have that knowledge, yeah. but my other, the other piece of it can be, we, we don't have a choice. Like, you know, we're, we're regulated by government and other powers, just like many other industries are. And, and it's not like we're the only ones that are being impacted by this either. Like sure. FinTrack is not specific to real estate. FinTrack, you know, there, there's other, there's other Industries like ours, you know, financial planners, banking, uh, lawyers, they're all being impacted by this in a very similar way that we are. So, you know, whining about it's not going to change it. And I would say what we've been doing on a brokerage level is we're trying to fully understand it. And then we're going to be, you know, implementing the best systems possible with whatever kind of manpower we need in order to handle it the best out of any brokerage in the industry and all the while supporting our agents through it. So is it crappy? Yes, but we're going to, the goal would be that, you know, given that this is something we've got to deal with now moving forward, we don't have a choice. Uh, we want to be uh, the best at it, just like, you know, anything else we, we tackle. Yeah. And I think for people who haven't tried it out yet, if you do start getting into the really trusted app, which is one of the things that Remax Little pays for, for the agents, we have changes coming into the really trusted app as well that's going to make FinTrack at least a little bit easier in the way that you have to submit and fill it out. Yeah, I think it's, yeah. I mean, that's always been there. I, I have, did, have you used that for your own stuff ever uh, or no? hundred percent. So yep. I, I know that I, I haven't, and it's not because, um, it's not because it's not great. I know it's good. I've looked at it, but I just had my own systems already that, that worked well. Sure. So I never switched, but yeah, this could certainly be the catalyst that gets me using it because um one of the things that is changing is we've always had it but we actually have a pretty good relationship with them and are having some stuff now changed in the app to make FinTrack work better for our agents which in the end works better for all the agents that pay really trusted but uh, it makes FinTrack so much easier. I know a lot of people probably have systems as well. The problem is when they make a change and all of a sudden you're required to do something different. Uh, if you're not doing it properly in whatever system you've got set up, you're going to have Natalie jumping down your throat. Mm-hmm. Whereas, whereas really trusted is preventing you from missing stuff because it's going to be Correct. set up you in can't such a way where you can't. Yeah, totally. So yeah, it's a no, it's a no brainer. And, and I don't know, I'll probably start, start using it just, uh, just for that reason. Yeah, it is. It is a, it is a really big lifesaver for more than even just FinTrack, but FinTrack is going to be a big change for that. Yeah. And I don't, do you have the, these changes, like when they're fully implemented, like, is there a hard date where we've got to have everything dialed? Like I, my sense is that we're still in the early stages of this and there's a bit of a learning curve time, correct? Yeah. And, and we do keep, things do keep changing with regards to what Natalie gets from the government and what they're requiring, Yeah, uh, what we're working on with, uh, on the really trusted side. The thing is, from a brokerage level, there's a lot of information that has to be consumed and then mm-hmm. gone over and then filed and maintained a certain way. Yeah. And so 
it's it is a lot of work so we have to come up with systems now that will make that much much easier yeah so that it's easier for our from from the brokerage side but also for the agent side because if something is done wrong we need to make sure it gets righted as quickly as possible so i know we're aiming for september as sort of a soft yeah launch into some of the stuff but i there is no firm date i haven't heard any firm thing at all well i don't think we've had it in our hands long enough to fully yeah we're, we're trying to we're trying to figure it out and we're that's the stage we're in yep and we'll 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 get there we'll get there soon and yeah we have to there's changes for the agents that they're going to have to you know come to grips with and then but like you said there's there's um there's brokerage responsibilities that have nothing to do with the agent we, we you know we got two jobs we have to help the agents figure out their job and then we've also got stuff on a brokerage level that that we have to figure out as well yep hey i wanted to uh chat about a couple of the last episodes that we've done for little oak weekly just because we had a lot of attention to a number of them and a lot of good topics in some of them they were fun yeah okay so i want to first pick your brain did you listen to the ladies episode i've listened to all of them i've i've i mean i don't and i i mean (laughs) i don't just to hear I don't yourself, always obviously. listen to all of them because that's, <laughs> sure. you know, I'm a part of a lot of them, but, yep. but I re listen. So I, I listened to the, the women. Yes. But that one I listened to genuinely. I wanted to, cause you know, I got a break and I wasn't a part of it and it was nice to get a break. And that was a really cool idea and concept. So that was very interesting. I lit, I didn't re listen to myself and critique because yeah, that was the most recent. That was the most recent. And so that one, you know, I, whatever, that was a, that was a really fun conversation. I think in mm-hmm. retrospect, it was kind of like just Pratik and I were hanging out. We were talking about stuff that we liked. So that was, that was fun. Yep. And he's a, he's a very interesting uh, guy. I just, yeah, I think he's got a lot of good things to say. I, I did re-listen to my one with Chris, which I'm sure you're going to want to bring up and talk about. Yep. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, that was obviously a, um, there were some interesting, you know, the, the elephant in the room is him having left us, joined the other. Please don't make me. The other firm, <laughs> and uh, and then came back, and then he was very honest and open about his experience with the other and why he came back, and and he spoke at length about you know you know just the value that he sees in the brokerage and the Remax brand, and so yeah, there was a lot in that. Um, in that interview. I'm sure that one probably got a lot of attention, right? Yeah, it's definitely one of the most listened to. It got quite a bit of attention just because of some of the topics and and because it was very much, you know, put out there as this was the story of someone who did leave, come back and why. Yeah. Even though that particular part only spanned about 15 minutes of the whole interview, it was obviously a, a relatively important part. Yeah, we totally, we talked about like, you know, we talked about a lot of stuff that just, you know, we talked about Chris's business and, and what yep. he's into and how he views real estate. And, you know, you know, you're right. That was probably the majority, but you know, there's whatever it's been such a, you know, the last, what is that? I don't even know, three years, four years, you know, mm-hmm. the, the, the new, the new club on the scene made quite the ripple caused the stir. And I think now enough time has gone by that, that people see what's what. and you know, there's, there's a, um, there's a, whatever, there's a lot of value in the Remax brand and thankfully people, you know, and then separate from that, I think at Little Oak, we're, we're doing some great things and, um, it's nice to, 
it's nice to to know that people see and recognize that and that's our goal that's what we want to do yeah absolutely yeah uh, i wanted to quickly chat about the ladies episode because that one actually got quite a bit of attention as well even outside of our brokerage well, uh, there's that's I not surprising some, no there's a i didn't i didn't know i just happened to be a part of a an email chain that was going back and forth but i guess there's a, a ladies of remax like i don't know if it's canada wide or i don't know where it's based off of but it became a, a topic of conversation it would make sense that well. we don't know about it because we're I have, exactly this email threw me off <laughs> i'm kind of pissed off i want to be a part of that club now i know if you're curious about it you can email laura june she had the information in it yes. but yeah i guess it became a, a topic of conversation in there which was pretty cool and they all had a blast doing it too which was fun yeah they like that was that was very cool you're right it is laura because she laura june she she emailed me uh and told me a little bit about that that group and yeah i mean i don't I, I don't know what to say like they i think that you know the hope when we came up with the idea was was that you know we'd create a platform for them to have those types of conversations and i think it was unbelievable i can honestly say that you know there's listening to it you know i can i can only listen to it through my own lens yep i don't you know, my marriage is very, I guess for the times it's very unusual. Like my wife is, um, she's not a, you know, quote unquote working mom. I mean, she has a great full-time job. She takes care of our kids. So I don't have a lot of the things that they discussed. You know, I could say that I don't, I'm not a, I don't have that in the context of my own life. And not to say I don't find it interesting, but I did listening to it. I, I, I certainly was aware of the fact that I'm not necessarily a part of that story in the sense that, you know, I'm not, I don't have that dynamic in my own relationship where, mm -hmm. um, you know, some of the things that they discuss, like they, Mary Tess used the terminology, I think she's called it mummy guilt. And, and then there was the conversation that, you know, they all agreed, like, you know, there's many times where they're walking out the door to go see a client and they're feeling terrible doing that. And they're conflicted because they, they need to go do this. They think, oh, should I be with my kids? And then even the comment about like, while they're out doing whatever they're doing, their brain power is not, you know, they're in the back of their mind, they got their kids in their mind. They're not totally present sure. where they are. I don't know if they would, I'm trying, I hope I'm not misrepresenting what they said, but, but you know, that, that stuck out to me because like, I can honestly say that I do not think about my children when I'm at work. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, of course I do. I love my kids, but. I don't have that, yeah, I don't have that dynamic where I'm worrying about whatever. I don't know, guilt. I guess it's a bad, Mary Test said guilt. Sure. Maybe guilt's the best thing. I don't know, what do you think? You're, you're, I feel joy when I leave my house. Yeah, totally. Joy. It's like, usually it's noisy. So I'm, I'm, I don't feel the guilt, no. But I, I, listening to theirs was a very unique perspective. I mean, I hear it from my wife because she works. So I yeah, get what the is idea what of is wanting Christina to be with your think? kids more. Well, it's obviously, ever, I feel like most moms would probably rather spend more time with their kids if they could, uh, but she also needs to get that break well, as well. So not, but not all of them. Like there is a, there is a difference. Like I, I hear it like, you know, in, in our own friend group, I would say that, you know, we got a variety of women just like anybody else does. You, 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 some work, some don't, some, some mm -hmm. work part-time, some work full-time. What I observe in here is that not all of them feel the same level of guilt like not all of them want to be home nine to five sure. 
right? Or or, yep. or during the like they they want to have a career, and the they want to be out. We have mm-hmm. I have one friend in particular, um, like she 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 says like uh like hell no, like I'm a good mom when I can go have a full time job, and I'm happy to come home and see my kids for a few hours at the end of the day. But she has no desire to to be home during the day. So I I don't know. I'd, it'd be interesting to hear her thoughts on on what they had to say because it seemed like. All four of them, the 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 mum guilt conversation seemed to resonate pretty hard with all four of them. Well, and that mum guilt also came from like the, re, the sort of the direction of that podcast came from your conversation with uh, Shahana Alibi, right? And her conversation right. into yes her own feeling of mum guilt, right? So I mean, it, yeah, I don't know. I don't have a very good <laughs> insight into it because I just listen to what they say. But yeah, I don't know. It was fun to listen to at least. I was completely lost multiple times as i was editing it just because they all have so much to talk about that like you said it's really hard for me to resonate and sometimes i'm going oh didn't think about that yeah yeah and yeah there was another thing they said i'm trying to i want to remember it now oh yeah they were talking about um when they're in a dynamic of like when clients are wanting to you know clients will be clients right so like you get into these scenarios Mm -hmm. where you know a buyer all of a sudden needs to see something and they're, they're blowing your life up. Right. And, and again, you know, I think I I was, as I was listening to, I thought, well, I've been there and I wouldn't necessarily have the same thought like, well, I shouldn't go do take that appointment at four o'clock on a Saturday because you know, whatever I need to be here for my kids. Like Mm -hmm. I just always, I always have that knowledge of like, well, my wife is there. So my primary, my primary job is, to go and work. And as much as I don't want to go out at four o'clock on a Saturday, I got to do it because my job is my primary role. And, and that's who, that's who I am to my family. I, I would never have that, that thought of, well, I shouldn't be doing this. I feel like you've shifted a little bit though, even, even into, you know, the last few years where you do take a bit more time to. You you mean balance? Like just being more balanced? Yeah. For yourself. Yeah. Even just that I've noticed. Totally. And and you know what? So that's related to a to a thought I just had. Like, I would say, so uh, yeah. At an earlier time in my career, I had far less boundaries, and I would have a guilt. I I can totally identify in saying that I would have guilt, but my guilt would be if I didn't take that appointment or if I didn't go see that client sure. when they wanted to. I would feel guilty because I had this expectation inside that like, well, this is what I should be doing. I'm here to work, and like. And then there's always that fear mechanism where like, well, if you don't do this now, you don't know when the next opportunity is coming and blah, 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 all Mm -hmm. that crap, right? So I've had a lot of guilt from that perspective that I've had to overcome and rewrite my brain for. So this is the thought, when I was listening to them talk about that, I think there's, I'd like to ask them all this, maybe we should do another podcast, but I'd like to ask where agreeableness comes into this conversation. So I wonder if it's not it, like clearly there's a gender piece to the conversation, but then I wonder like some people are just more agreeable than others. And w- sometimes what we're running from is conflict in that like, well, I can't feel like I can say no to the client because if I say no to the client, then that could create some type of conflict. Maybe the client gets upset with me or they're disappointed, or maybe there's this fear thing saying that they're going to go work with somebody else. Mm-hmm. And I wonder if there's just some people that are willing, more likely and willing to be less agreeable. They're not afraid of having those tough conversations. 
Sure. And so then I think that, and, and maybe that's related to gender. Maybe that's not like maybe, you know, maybe, maybe, and maybe men tend to be less agreeable. Women tend to be more agreeable. Like, I, I just think that's an interesting conversation. I'd, and I'd, I'd like to kick that around. And perhaps maybe some of that is just learning to stand your ground and stick up for yourself and be less agreeable. Cause I would say that in my own story, you know, learning to read, write boundaries and, and take some of my life back, that is absolutely what I needed to learn. I just, I just had to become comfortable with conflict and at times disappointing people. Cause there were absolutely people who were disappointed with me when I started to uh, change the way I operated and, and, you know, and take sure. back some of my life. I don't know if you noticed or if you saw it just because sometimes it goes by quite quick and there's a lot of pictures of drinks, but in the little Oak chat in WhatsApp that we have with a bunch of our agents, yeah. Braden Lystra was talking about, he's new dad. Yeah. Life's obviously Jamie's flipped husband, upside yeah. down, super busy and how busy he is and trying to, you know, balance with them. And I actually thought it was really cool. when Joe Pratap messaged back and said, deals will always be there. You're never going to get this time back. And I would give anything if I could go back to, you know, relive the first two years of my kid's life yeah. and pour a little bit more of my time into it. So, mm -hmm. yeah. And so Joe, I mean, I'm sure if he was in this conversation, he would expand on that, but I would imagine he probably like his kids are, I think, I think he's, I want to say they're like, you know, whatever, somewhere between eight and 12 or eight and 10 or something like that. Yeah. He probably was busting his butt when they were, when they were young. You know, didn't, didn't, you know, like me, like I have said publicly, I think in one of our episodes previously, I've said publicly that I have very little memories of my oldest daughter before the age of three, like from about zero to three. Yep. It's, it's really sad. It's terrible. I, I, but I, I worked like a dog and I wasn't around a lot. And, um, mm -hmm. yeah, I agree with Joe's comments. You never get that time back. And so, Having your priorities straight. I mean, I, I would say I got my priorities straight now, but I, I certainly didn't back then. And it is what it is. It's um, it's unfortunate, but I think a lot of people probably have a story like that. It's nice though to have I, one of the things I like about that particular chat and just our office in general is you have people that can sort of feed into somebody's life something that they dealt with. Mm -hmm. Yeah, which I actually really liked in that chat. I was I was impressed with that. With in the in the uh, in the women's within the little oak. Oh, uh, within WhatsApp the little chat, oak. Oh, was, totally. We, yeah. yeah, within the chat group, you get that all the time. And then within the the uh, women's podcast, the ladies' podcast, like they had, like in some ways they almost had like, four, I don't want to say four generations, but they had a lot of different generations represented there, right? Like Laura June's grandma. We basically went from brand new mom, yeah, toddlers, teenagers, and grandma. Yeah, totally. Which is, you know, learning from people who have, uh, who've been where, where you're going is, is extremely helpful. Which they brought up, yeah, in that episode where, yeah. you know, they were kind of thanking Laura June for some of the stuff she was talking about that they maybe hadn't thought about. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. She introduced another um, thing too, like a lot of people, you know, they've experienced divorce or, you know, separation or, you know, uh, blended family mm -hmm. stuff. That brings another whole dynamic in. And I was, I was just, I was listening to Laura June talk about, she had her kids, midweek. I think that she talked about at some point in time in her life, she had her kids midweek and her husband had the kids on the weekend. So she was booking all of her real estate stuff. 
she was loading up her weekends, which is interesting. I was, I was kind of chuckling because we all talk about, you know, wanting to protect our weekends. And here mm-hmm. was this, you know, separated single mom trying to make a go of it. She, she spent years, she said, loading up her weekends and then working only during, you know, basically like say nine to three during the week so that when she had her kids during the week, she picks up her kids from school and then she's on. And yep. I just like, you know, as she shared that, I thought, oh my God, that is exhausting. Like, <laughs> yeah, right. that Tired. is like, yeah, I can't even imagine. Uh, and I, th- I think she did that for quite some time, like, you know, a number of years, she would have been in that pattern. Like, my goodness, that, that's a whole nother, uh, that's a whole nother dynamic. It's a lot of work. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right. So talking about work and, you know, where we've been chatting about your summer, what's, uh, what would you say to people as they're planning? We're now midway. So we can actually say this time that our, our episode's going to come out tomorrow. So we're at the midway point roughly of the summer. What what would you tell people as they're starting to plan getting back into September and back into business? I know a lot of people tend to take July off. Yeah, I I think that, you know, I think when, when people went into this summer, I mean, if I can use myself as a as a litmus test, I think that's probably pretty accurate. I think a lot of people were really exhausted. We, you know, we had gone through quite the the prior 18 months and then, you know, this ripping hot market we've been in. And so I say that to say that I think a lot of people have taken this time to check out a little bit, you know, Mm -hmm. emotionally, mentally, whatever. But (laughs) I got to say, I, based on what I'm seeing, I think we're going to come right back into a very busy market where there's a ton of opportunity. So my, my thoughts on that would be rest up and get ready because if you've got the energy for it and you've got a plan, I think there's going to be, I think there's going to be a very profitable last quarter to the year. Uh, inventory is down to back down to the levels that we saw it at in the early part of the spring. And with inventory that low, I think we're going to be right back into an environment where, um, you know, listings are, our listings are selling in multiple offer scenarios right away. I wouldn't be surprised if we see prices go even higher, which I know is hard to imagine. So yeah, I, I, I think there's going to be great opportunity and, and I don't think it's going to be a easy balanced market environment. I think it's going to be, you know, high pressure, fast moving, you know, we're going to be right back into a version of where we were earlier this year. So, uh, make sure you get what you need in order to rest and relax and recharge. Cause I think we're going to be in a little bit of a sleepy environment here a little while yet, but I don't know, uh, unless we have a significant change happen, which I, I don't know how that would, uh, inventory is going to continue to be low and that's going to create that fast paced environment that we've been in. So rest up. I read a, I read an interesting article. Can't, did I read the article or did I, did I watch something? I can't remember, but there was, oh, there was an article in the national post and you know, you could, I, I wish if I had it, I would say it, I, I should have been prepared. I should have had it here, but it would, I think it's such an accurate take on the housing, if you want to call it the housing crisis, you know, that's the, the language that'll get used in the media. But, you know, all we, you know, all you hear about is the housing crisis in Canada and, you know, the homes are expensive and how can people afford to live and, you know, all, whatever, all that. And I'm not, I'm not making a, a statement mm-hmm. one way or the other about that. But in this, in the article, I believe that the writer of the article found one of the major roots of the issue and he, he calls it the red tape dilemma. And what he pointed out is right across the country, 
no matter where you are, developers have such a difficult time getting developments through their various city halls. Like the the municipalities at some point in time here in over history, municipalities have become so anti-development, even though, you know, I don't think people sat down one day and decided to be anti-development, mm -hmm. but it's a combination of just rules and regulations and, and all of, a lot of these things are well-intended, right? Like we'll use environmental stuff as an example, you know, like nobody wants to go and massacre, you know, nature needlessly, but as time goes on, there's just been more and more red tape that, that, that has been, you know, brought into the conversation. And so getting new product to market is taking years longer than it used to. And so that is a, that is a massive piece of the conversation that is not going to get fixed or change. And so, so long as developers have thousands and thousands and thousands of units in the greater Vancouver area stuck in various phases of development taking significantly longer than they intended, we are going to be uh, in a housing shortage. And that's got significant ramifications on our industry and prices. Like I could, just in the market that I'm most familiar with, which is Abbotsford, I'm personally aware of hundreds of units that are, that are stuck and have been delayed for years. They're literally two and three years behind of where they, they thought they were going to be. Like they thought they were going to have this product to market already and it's not here. And, and you can't say that like situations like that aren't having a drastic impact uh, on our housing uh, availability and then affordability. Sure. So it's a good, it's a good article. Look at it. It's national, I think it was national post. Uh, it's very recent. It's in the last few weeks. I think it was very well written and well researched. Nice. I'll find, if I can find it, I'll attach it to the podcast as well. Uh, all right. I think just a couple things just before we wrap up. One, I just wanted to give a shout out and maybe you can give a little detail, but Schindergill, pretty unique award yes. this year. I think it's the first time we've had it actually. Yeah. So, okay. So yeah, a little background on that. So Remax International uh, has always owned Remax Western Canada or yeah, has, has owned Remax Western Canada for a very, very long time. So in Western Canada, we're always under that umbrella. Remax Integra, which is Ontario and Atlantic, has uh, recently purchased back. Like for many, many years, it's been owned privately. Maybe always owned privately. I don't know the full history, but uh, it's been owned privately. So although it was a part of the Remax brand, it wasn't under international umbrella like we have always been. So Remax International purchases Remax Integra for I think it was like two hundred and sixty million, like just a massive, massive acquisition. Anyways, needless to say, now we no longer, we're moving into a phase where we are going to be Remax Canada. We're not going to be Remax Ontario, Remax Western. Uh, so there's a lot of benefits, I think, that are going to come from that over time. Uh, we're not going to be fragmented across the country. So, you know, stay tuned for more conversation on that because that's just occurred. But Schinder, in part of the, um, you know, amalgamation that's now occurred, there's been an award category that Remax Western has never had, and now we've adopted it because, you know, it's a great thing they've been doing in Ontario Atlantic, I guess, that we've never done. So they call it their Torchbearer Award, I think, right? Am I saying that right? I think mm -hmm. Torchbearer. That's right. And so yeah. it's basically, I think what Tinder's been given is a top 40 under 40. Is it in the country? From across all regions. Across all, yeah. So basically it means that Shinder's young 
and he's kicking ass. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> he's awesome. Uh, so it's a, yeah, it's a new, it's a new thing. Uh, I didn't have any knowledge of it until we got notified and Shinder got notified a short while ago. Cause again, it wasn't in our region. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So he's in the top 40, under 40 in our region. And I think, uh, he gets invited to an exclusive, um, you know, two day event kind of thing. I mean, who knows? It's probably in the U S we probably, probably can't go. It is Texas. But, uh, <laughs> <You can't>. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you know, whatever, it's a cool thing. And, and that'll be available to us moving forward. There has been something like that. I, I don't want to say similar, but like if you have been in the, you know, in the Remax brand, uh, in years gone by and you've achieved certain levels like chairman, uh, so that's, um, you know, about half a million dollars, half a million dollars in commissions are, or higher. So there's chairman, I don't know what camera, but they're called Titan diamond, whatever they, they did have some exclusive yep. trips for people who did that. So we've had that in the past. And I know people in our brokerage have, have gone to those invite only events, but this is obviously even a little bit more exclusive in that it's, um, it's, you know, it's 40 people that got recognized. So way to go Shinder. You're, uh, you're clearly still young because you're 40 or younger and you're doing very well. So, uh, we love him and we're proud of him. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, and then finally we've got, uh, bandits tickets. So bandits this year. Yeah. It's the first time, I think it's actually the first time ever that we've had a professional basketball playoff happening in Abbotsford yeah, for we've, anything. We've never had, we, we've never had playoffs here because the first year, uh, our it. team sucked. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we, we didn't make the playoffs. And then last year, second year was last year, the year of COVID. There was no, they remember they did the whole season at one location. And they made the playoffs. We, they got second but we place. We didn't get to see it. They lost, mm -hmm. we lost in the finals last year. We have a good team. And, yep. um, and then this year they just got to, they kind of did a bit of a unique year, but they did do, uh, you know, fan attendance. We got to host yep. a couple regular season games, I think, I, or maybe four, three, three, four. There were three, there was one that was a sponsor only uh, event, but then there were three open to the public. Right. So, and I mean, we've been, as people know, we've been, we've, we've, whatever we were, uh, what do you, whatever you want to call it? Early sponsors. Official realtors. Yeah, we were, mm -hmm. and we were, we partnered with them like right away. We were right one off. of their first people. Um, and I think that's been a really cool relationship. And, um, we have like, our company has incredible exposure at a game. If you've ever been to an in-person game and through their social media feeds and everything like we get a lot of, um, we get a lot of lift from them. And, uh, and now, yeah, we have a playoff game this coming Sunday, right? Next weekend. Yeah. 15th. Yep. And we have, I didn't even know this. You told me this not, not that well that we get all, all of our agents can get free tickets. Yeah. So we'll have it on our Facebook page, the private one, and we'll find other ways to send it out to you. If you're curious about it, you can also email me, but we have, uh, I think my understanding is it's, uh, each agent, if they want, gets a, a ticket and a plus one. So two tickets to the games coming up on the, to the game coming up on the 15th. And that is like, I mean, I'm a basketball fan, but I, I got it. Like it's the best entertainment. It's really good. Like the, awesome. the in-game experience is amazing. They do a, you know, given all the circumstances they've had to go through in the last few years, I think they've done an absolutely tremendous job. The basketball is good basketball. Like these players, mm -hmm. they are pro players. A lot of these guys are Div 1 players in terms of like their talent. They're, they're Div 1 players coming out of the US. You know, they weren't quite NBA material, but they still were good enough to be pro athletes and they play in Europe and various leagues. Uh, there's a, there's a, I think there's a league in, in literally like the South Mediterranean, like Italy, Greece, and Spain yep. that they play in. 
And then there's like, you know, the NBA D leagues and B leagues or whatever that some of these guys are in. So it's really good basketball. So yeah, I, I, if anybody is looking for something to do next Sunday, I mean, you got free tickets and if you wanted to get more, the tickets are also very affordable. They're not, you know, very expensive. And it's just a, it's a, it's an awesome way to spend uh, two hours. I, I went to two games this year and um, man, it was, it was a hoot. Okay. So I'm just going to ask you, cause I'm curious your opinion, cause it drives me crazy. Have you noticed what they do at the end of the games now though, in the CEBL? So oh, it used to oh, any oh, other game in the history it. of ever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, yeah, you just play till whoever wins. Now at the seven or nine minute mark. No, seven minute mark. No, sorry, four, four minute four mark, minute mark. They add nine points to whoever is winning. No, no, and not give it to them, but they just add it as a total, and it's whoever hits that number yes, first. That's right. It's called. It's weird. There's a name. There's a name for it. I I can't remember the name. The, 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 so this was. I was talking about last. I mean, last year. Yeah, there was somebody came up with this because what they did an analysis of like, you know, whatever likelihood. Like, there's all kinds of math that goes into this, right? And they use it in some American leagues. That's in right. Some of the American leagues, they use it. Yeah. And and they figured that by doing this, you eliminate the clock killing strategy that you see in right. a lot of college and NBA games because when you get down to four minutes, if you got a 24 or 30 second shot clock, depending on the league you're talking about. It just it becomes about the number of possessions, and if you can just eliminate the number of possessions that your opponent has the ability to get, then they can't come back on you, right? But this method is cool right. because if you got a team that's like, let's say the score is seventy to sixty with four minutes left, well, now mm -hmm. what they do is they go, okay, it's the first person to get to seventy nine, and yep. now the team in the lead, it's not about killing clock. Both teams just need yep. to try to score at the fastest pace they can. And of course, the team in the league has an advantage. But um, in one of the games that I was at, like the Bandits, both the games I saw, the Bandits lost both games because they played Edmonton and Edmonton is an absolutely ridiculously good team. Yep. But in one of those games, maybe you were there too, they, like we almost came back. We, we made it a close game and it wasn't a close game the whole time, but then all of a sudden we got hot and rather than you know, what felt like we would have normally lost by say 15 to 20 points. I think we only sure. lost by like five or six points. And it was, it was, I don't know. I thought it was a very exciting, it was a way to keep the game exciting where it otherwise wouldn't have been exciting. I don't think. I was talking to one of the guys from the bandits and he had said that there, it has happened a couple times through the league where they've actually come from behind and, and won. That's phenomenal. Uh, because of that. Yeah. The, the only alternate argument to that was one of the games I went to the sponsor game and we won with a free throw which was super anticlimactic. Like it just was really, it was a really boring way yes. to watch the game. Yeah. Just end. Yeah, totally. That so. is, totally. That is not exciting. But. No, but that part wasn't I'll exciting. But it, the other way is Think fun. about how many basketball games have you watched though, where, especially the NBA, like college, college, I feel like, you know, it's still anyone's game for the most part. But in the NBA, if you get down to like two and a half minutes left in the game. Sure. If it's a 10 point lead, it's, it's over. Like they literally yep. just, you know, once the team in the league gets the ball, they're going to kill all 24 seconds and they're just eliminating mm -hmm. the amount of possessions the opponent has left. And it's a mathematical, like they, they just mathematically, they can't come back and it's incredibly boring to watch. Yeah, it can be. That's true. So, it, I mean, of course, if it's a, if it's a close game, then it's an irrelevant conversation, yep. right? But yeah. And if it's close, this still does the same thing. It was just the first time I saw it, it threw me off. 
big time. Oh, I had no idea what was like, happening what the, the first time I saw it. I, I, I literally the was... The clock just disappears. I was confused. I was looking around at people. I'm like, why is nobody else concerned about this? I'm the only guy that's concerned right? about it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's... Uh, anyway, it is good basketball, though. It's it's very good basketball. Yeah. Yeah. So if you're interested, make sure you check out the wants and haves, or uh, we'll find another way to get you info this week. Do you have any, Is there any other housekeeping items we have to go over in the office, or is that is that we cover it all? I think we're good. I know there's an office meeting coming up on Wednesday, which David's super excited for. Is there something in particular we're talking about there, or David's just excited because he loves no, office meetings? It's just David. It's a it's an office meeting. He just loves it. He just he just loves he loves it. it. <laughs> yeah, that's good. <laughs> I think that's it. So okay, thanks. Cool. Well, you have thanks uh, for joining me, man. Enjoy the rest of your enjoy the rest of your Sunday. What's the weather? Yeah, I'm uh, I'm about to leave. I got to leave the city and come home. Is it just kind of cloudy out there, or what? Yeah, it was the weirdest day of rain yesterday. I know. I know. Like out of nowhere, we had rain, but no, it's it's just kind of muggy yeah, okay. right now. Cool. Okay, man. Thanks. Sweet. All right. Have a good week. Cheers. Take care. Catch you later. Bye.